Attention, Plans 10-Minute Podcast begins now. Welcome, everybody, to Plans 10-Minute Podcast. My name is Nick Carlson. I'm your host. My co-host is Vincent Ranieri, and together we run the marketing department of Plan Companies. Vinny, how are you doing today? Great, Nick. Yeah, so what's new, Vin? Oh, uh, you know, 2021 is uh, 2020 part two, as I call it, right? We're already on, what, our fourth podcast episode? This one we had to, you know, get together kind of uh, right away. It's been busy. Um, all of our uh, episodes of the podcast are available at plancompanies.com forward slash podcast. You can see audio and visual there. And you also can go to Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're, we're all over the place. Yeah, we are. Well, we're, we're, we're trying to be. That's for sure. So this podcast, we uh, we scheduled uh, quickly. We wanted to uh, circle back and, and uh, touch on something that we did a, a while back. And uh, let me note that this podcast is being recorded on uh, January uh, 14th. Uh, the um, siege in the Capitol was about a week ago. The inauguration of uh, President-elect Biden is uh, in about a week. So we're kind of right in the middle of that. Uh, th- those two events, uh, we're seeing um, National Guard sleeping at the Capitol and, and all kinds of things that uh, none of us have really ever, ever seen before. Um, anyway, today our guest is uh, James Batali. Jim is the retired chief of police of uh, Mawa, New Jersey Police Department. He's also an adjunct professor at Ramapo College. Uh, Jim, hello, how are you? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for thank you for inviting. So about uh, about a month or so ago, Jim was a a special guest on a webinar that we did, and uh, that webinar was called "Civil Unrest: Preparing for the Unexpected." That's right. I think if we were to, uh, I think we might want to retitle this podcast to "Civil Unrest." preparing for the anticipated because we're all kind of uh, a little bit, everyone's a little nervous right now. So uh, we're, we're not going to talk politics. I'm guessing there's other places that uh, will probably cover politics on this, these topics. Uh, but what we do want to talk about uh, are things of interest to our audience and our audience, primarily building owners, property managers, et cetera, and, um, and how to prepare, how to be ready. So, Jim, what are your thoughts, um, you know, as we kick this off here? Well, it was interesting. Just before we started this podcast, I was reading an article uh, or press release put out by the major federal law enforcement agencies in which they said they expect a surge in violent extremism during 2021. So there's no doubt that we're in the midst of a health crisis, an economic crisis, a governor's, governor's crisis. But this is not going to go away, you know. The last time we talked during the podcast, it was after the George Floyd shooting. And I think we thought that after that settled, we were kind of getting back to normal. And then we went right into the election season. And here we are now uh, with what we saw on January 6th in the nation's capital. And it kind of underscores the need for companies to plan for crises that may occur uh, in and around the cities that they have their business uh, operating in. And I think it's incumbent upon all um, company executives to work on a crisis management plan with vendors like plant companies, as well as their employees, to make sure there's a level of protection for their staff, for their vendors, and for the facility itself. As well as residents for, uh, let's say, multifamily buildings, apartment buildings, things like that, right? That that might be a little different type of a plan since... 
the uh, residents aren't employees, you you know, you might have to approach that a little bit differently. Do you agree? Yes, there are a variety of crisis management plans, and certainly you can't prepare for every scenario that's going to occur. And these are generally written plans that cover a lot of incidents, and certainly you tweak them as the incidents involve. But during a crisis, it's not the time to take the plan off the shelf and dust it off because you haven't looked at it in the last five years and find that, that it's outdated and some of the employees listed there or contact people are no longer working for the company uh, or available. So certainly you want to start to do a vulnerability assessment at your facility, whether it's a residential facility or a business or retail store. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim, um, what do you say to the individuals who, and I've heard this, uh, who think some of the targeted attacks you've seen on the news, you know, uh, it's not targeted at their particular building. So why should they prepare? You know, they're coming for the Capitol. They're not coming for my building. They're just going to walk right on by. I can leave my vans out there. I can leave my trash cans. They're not coming for me. Well, you know, things happen, right? Well, that's not true. There are certainly people who are demonstrating to accept, uh, to express their freedom of speech, which they have every right to do. But there are those that are opportunists in those crowds. And those are the people, the individuals, the criminals that are breaking into and causing destruction to businesses along the way. So there's a very distinct difference between those are expressing their uh, constitutional rights and those are taking advantage of the situation to steal, to loot, to rob and destroy uh, certain facilities, businesses along, along the path. Right, just terrible. Now, it, it's so much better to be proactive than reactive, right? When we first talked offline, I said to you, I'm noticing some of these great uh, law enforcement agencies or, or, are actually being reactive, not proactive. So why would our viewers and our audience want to be proactive in this case? Well, it was evident that the Capitol building that they were reactive. They weren't prepared for that crowd. They weren't prepared for the numbers and they weren't prepared for um, some of the equipment they came with to break into the building. Right. It really is critical for companies to have a critical management plan, a crisis mm-hmm. management plan, and to work with planned companies to develop that. And so you wanna be reactive in the sense, or proactive in the sense when something occurs, your employees know what to do, your vendors know what to do, and it's a matter of putting step one, two, three, and four into place and safeguarding your assets, your facility, and most importantly, the, the backbone of your company, which are your employees or in residential facilities, your residents. And practicing this plan. I can have a plan all day long, and if I never practice it, and the one a day something happens, I might freeze. It's human nature. I may forget who's doing what. I just totally freeze up on my plan because I haven't been practicing it. So if you make a plan, you want to kind of go through the motions with your staff, you know, on some type of uh, rhythm and just keep practicing this. Well, you want to, what we call, you want to create a culture of security within your company. And that means you want to engage all your employees from your top management to your lowest level employees. They have Mm -hmm. to know the plan. They have to know what their role is if something happens. And if you create that culture, it just doesn't exist when there's a crisis, it exists 365 days a year. So it's critical you create that culture. And I think most business executives will find that their employees wanna participate. They wanna know what's going to happen if things go off the rail in their community. And they wanna know that they're safer, that they're gonna go home to their families at night and that the company management team 
has taken prudent and reasonable steps, not alarmist, but prudent, prudent and reasonable steps to safeguard them. Sure. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of the, uh, oh, the, the webinar that we did a month or so ago, Jim helped us author a, a checklist that we have available on our website that you can download, help you. Uh, it's the uh, kind of the format of a, a plan, of an emergency action plan to put together. One of the items on that that uh, I re remember uh, that we uh, discussed last time uh, was the concept of securing um, dumpsters or planters or, or things around your building that people could use to, uh, you know, breach, uh, breach your building, break the windows, et cetera. And I was thinking about that watching the, um, you know, the events on the, at the Capitol where they used a uh, police barricade as a ladder. And I just thought, wow, wow isn't, I mean, use anything. They use anything. They didn't even need to bring anything. Everything was there for them. Mm -hmm. Sadly, they are very intuitive in how to gain access. And that's why it's important that you do a vulnerability assessment. You look at the perimeter of your building. You make sure that you have the proper security guards in place in stairwells and elevators. Any points of access where people can gain uh, control of a facility. You know, we're looking at other things like making sure the restroom, something as simple as your restrooms are in a secure facility, a secure portion of your building or locked. Moving your executives or high profile executives away from the corner offices that can be seen from the street and into uh, internal portions of the building, maybe inside where courtyards are. Um, you wanna control your stairwells, as I said, your elevators and other points of access. Uh, you wanna make sure you have a public address system or some way to notify your employees about something that's going on in their facility. Because if you have a multi-floor uh, residential complex or a business complex, you wanna make sure everybody knows at the same time what's going on and you want to have drills throughout the year. All this works together, as I said previously, to create a culture of security among your personnel and among your residents. And, and going bring these drills with employees may be one thing, but many of the uh, people watching this or listening to this are uh, building owners, property managers, and they would have to maybe coordinate this with uh, the residents or the tenants of their buildings that are not their employees. How, how is that different than maybe uh, uh, running these drills with employees? Certainly you want your employees maybe to take a, a greater role in protecting their assets um, and vulnerability to get into the building. You know, a residential complex is certainly different, different needs, different security concerns than a business complex. And that comes into the writing of your crisis management plan. Right. Uh, every crisis management plan is, you know, dependent upon how many employees you have, you know, whether you have, you know, 10 employees up to 450 employees, you still need a crisis management plan, but certainly there's gonna be different parameters, different specifications. If you have a residential building, uh, again, you have people coming and going 24 seven, you know, typically uh, it doesn't close as a business manufacturing plant may do. So your concerns are different, and, but at the same time, you have to let them know what may be expected if something occurs within their neighborhood, that they may see an increase in security guards. They may see the removal or secure uh, placement of dumpsters away from the building, so people can't use that to get access into the facility. And uh, you may see increase in improvement in lighting around the facility. Uh, maybe your access control, whether it's car driven 
touchpad, you know, improvements made in that areas. You don't want to alarm them, but at the same time, there is a, a difference between alarming people and letting them know they're safe. When they lock their door and turn off the lights at night, they're secure that their residential complex is secure and only those people who should have access will gain access to that facility. Right. And, you know, towards the end of our checklist, we talk about business continuity. And I think sometimes it's underrated, I'll use that word, that, you know, should there be an incident, um, you know, you have, and, and there's loss of uh, uh, computers, loss of, you know, uh, property damage, having a plan, of, you know, business continues the next day, right? The building, people still have to live there the next day. So how do you get back up on your feet from this and not let one event take out your entire year? There's a business model that every corporation or business has uh, that guides them to their end product. We can't be, forget that just in early December, uh, there was a cyber attack on some of the major federal organizations in our country That's right. uh, that we don't know, but we know that it came from overseas. So certainly if they can target the federal government and we have these extremist groups coming into our country from either the far left or far right, uh, not taking any sides. Cyber attacks are something that can strike at, even if they're not targeting your business, if they strike at some of the vendors that you use to put out your product, um, that could put your business to rest for a certain period of time. So you need to have a certain level of redundancy in your computer operations. And that's something that you need to certainly have in place being proactive rather than reactive. Uh, you know, you wanna talk with your IT personnel. You know, if you know there's something going on at night or in the, in the near future, you may want to start powering down your systems every evening so there's no access to it. You know, a, a checklist on reviewing password changes and who has access. Mm -hmm. If you've changed your IT vendor, when you fire or dismiss an employee, making sure they're taking off that access role, shutting down your access or your firewalls after business hours. These are all things that should be discussed uh, through planned companies or through your IT vendors as part of your crisis management plan. Now, we take that concept to the, um, to the home, to the resident in a building. If you think about uh, how people back up their computers, maybe they do back up their computers. That's great. A lot of them back it up to a local drive that's sitting on their desk right next to their computer. Right. And, uh, you know, all you need is the, the sprinklers going off to, you know, ruin everything. So, you know, there may be the idea of looking into offsite backups for even your personal, um, you know, you lose all your pictures, you lose everything. It could be uh, really a disaster. Yeah. The cloud is very cheap to use now. And certainly that is what most companies are doing is putting all the data in a cloud and sometimes in redundant clouds in different parts of the country, just in the event that there is an incident in New York, in the East Coast, they have their data stored on the West Coast or in Central, uh, Central America. But that's, you know, that's something that the residential managers can make available or information available to their residents. And certainly there's enough vendors there that would like these customers and could probably take them on as a group or offer discount rates. And it's certainly something you wanna look into. Definitely. So if we, uh, you know, if we were to look at the, um, the, the emergency checklist that, that you put together for, um, for our viewers here, uh, our, our listeners here, what are, the, what are the one, two, three things that they should really be seriously looking at right now? 
Well, you want to stay informed. That's the most critical portion. And you want to stay informed by looking at the media, watching the media, uh, contacting your local law enforcement agencies. Uh, if it looks like something is imminent, are there going to be curfews that may uh, impact access to the residential areas or for business may access, may impact uh, your employees coming to work or your vendors delivering product? You know, make sure your employees have ID badges. So if they're going to a site that is set up as a perimeter by law enforcement, uh, they will have access to that area. Mm -hmm. um, you want to assess your property and uh, facility vulnerabilities. You want to review and update your security practices. And this can't, you know, I can't emphasize how important this is to do. Every time there's a major incident, you know, certainly after the breach of the Capitol, you know that they're sitting down looking how this occurred and how we can prevent it from occurring again. So you want to. Uh, kind of review what occurs around the country, you know, take a good look at your management level people and look at there's ways to improve, improve these, improve your measures to prevent them from occurring in your area. Um, you want to consider altering your business hours for businesses, you know, to improve the safety of your employees. Um, and you want to avoid unnecessary conflict, no matter what sort of product you have in your, in your building, nothing is worth the life of one of your employees. Uh, nothing is that valuable. Uh, so these are just some of the quick tips that you can take to kind of bulletproof your facility. You know, you want to do that perimeter check. You want to remove all uh, objects that can be used to access your building or damage your building. Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about locking dumpsters, moving dumpsters away from the facility. If you have company cars, moving them into an underground garage or moving them to an offsite, especially if they have your logo on it. Uh, you don't want to be able to contact vendors to board up building in the unfortunate circumstance where windows are broken uh, to gain access. Do you, are you seeing or are you finding that many police departments are using something like Twitter to communicate with the, um, with the public? They are using... Um, I know some have things like Nixle, some private systems. We have that in our area and it's, it's very good. But I don't know if everyone knows that or has that, et cetera. They are using mass notification systems. And typically what a law enforcement agency will do is they'll have one system, a mass notification system that is only used for emergency notifications. So if, an, if a business or a residential complex gets a call from that system and everybody's encouraged to sign up for it, they know it's something serious, something that may impact their safety. And they use Twitter, they use Facebook, maybe for some of the lighter topics you know, there's a parade in town or, uh, you know, we want you to, uh, you know, we have some car thieves going around and some people may opt in or may opt out of that service. So it's usually multi-levels that major law enforcement agencies have used, but always keeping that one mass notification system for the really serious, this is information you have to know about. And if you're getting a call from us on this system, it's serious and you should listen and you should take heed. Uh, certainly, within your corporation or within your residential complex, you can utilize these own notification system. Some are free, like Nixle at the very basic level. Uh, there's Swift Reach 911. There's a number of them across the country uh, that provide great tools. You can sign up, they can send it to your, uh, your cell phone. You can get a text message, you can get your email. So if you're at work and you're driving home, you don't want to drive into a bee's nest. You know what's going on before you you know, come off the major highway into your residential area. So communication is key in all these situations. And we see, and I hate to keep going back to the 
to the Capitol, but we see the breakdown in communication there and what it led to. So, and I'm sure they'll make corrections in that if they haven't already. Communication is key in all these crisis situations, keeping people updated, communication not only to your law enforcement agencies, but from your law enforcement agencies. Yeah, I heard um, uh, people in the, uh, like a representative was texting uh, uh, somebody, a friend of theirs in the media asking them what was going on because they had no information as they were locked down. You know, the best laid plans, unfortunately, when people are under stress and not used to the situation they're in, they don't have the training and background, uh, sometimes the plans kind of go off to the side. And that's why having a tabletop exercise, having a written crisis management plan that they can look at and refer to, uh, reviewing it with your key personnel, having a crisis management team within your building, residential or business, is critical. Those are the people who are going to be your leaders who are going to step up in the time of a crisis and make sure that when the dust settles, when you do your post-crisis review, uh, they're going to have the input and you're going to improve your crisis management plan after every incident. 100%. Great. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, our 10 minute podcast is now about 20 minutes, but it was well worth it because well this is a very, uh, very important topic. So thank you for your time. Really appreciate it, Jim. And you, Jim. Um, again, this will be available on YouTube and all the podcast networks on behalf of Vitzer I'm Nick Carlson. Thank you very much for joining and we'll see you next time. Thank you.